Join me for a word of prayer. Oh God, I pray that you would take my words and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our will. Set them on fire for love of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. My dreams of being an Air Force pilot were dashed at a very young age. It was uh, 10, age 10 when I went on my first flight in a small plane. My, my dad was the pilot, and if, I trust many of you have been in small airplanes, and you know that you just feel everything, every little nudge of the stick, every little uh, breeze that comes along feels like the, you know, you're just going to fall out of the sky. Uh, so that first little breeze came along, and I turned to the pilot, my dad, and said, Dad, I don't feel so good. And he passed on some advice that I bet uh, you all have heard uh, if you've ever encountered uh, seasickness or motion sickness. And that is, don't look at what is right in front of you. Don't look at things that are very proximate. Instead, focus on something far out in the distant horizon. I know there's some Air Force pilots in our midst. I'm wondering if that is common advice. You can shake your head or just, no. I'm getting... I don't get a lot of affirmation from our Air Force uh, comrades, but that was what my dad told me. Look at something out in the distance, and the logic is sound. Just think with me. If you encounter turbulence and you fall 10 feet, and that's a big bump of turbulence, and you're focused at 10 feet away, then that will feel like a very big drop in altitude. However, if you're focused on 10 miles away and you experience that same drop in altitude, then that you will feel that a little bit less simply because the proportion of 10 feet to 10 miles is so much less. I'm looking for nods that make sort of sense, maybe, okay. Well, that's what I was told. It ended up to be very lousy advice and I was soon scrambling for one of those little uh, uh, complimentary bags nowhere to be found. That advice of focus in the midst of turbulence, focus on something out there on the horizon, I think has greater, greater application than just when you encounter turbulence. Because we all encounter turbulence in our lives. We encounter ups and downs in our lives. And if our vantage is limited to what's immediately in front of us, you're going to get not motion sickness, you're going to get sickness of the soul. You need some fixed point out there on the distant horizon. And without that fixed point, you'll get sick. Your soul will be sick. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is a, a, a wonderful psalm. A good title for this psalm is God in the midst of turbulence. Turbulence may be a little bit of an understatement for what the psalmist has experienced. God in the midst of tumult, God in the midst of rage, may be a, a little more accurate. Nonetheless, God in the midst of turbulence. This psalm was one of Martin Luther's favorite psalms. Martin Luther, Luther, that great reformer. And this was the psalm that was an inspiration behind his most well-known hymn. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, a fortress he amidst the flood, against all mortal ills prevailing. And that hymn, like this psalm, is robust and defiant in its tone and in its content. And apparently during the dark days of the Reformation, and there were some very dark and turbulent days, Luther would turn to his friend uh, Philip Melanchthon and say, Philip, let's turn again to the 46th. Take refuge 
and the 46th again. I'd like to look at it this morning with you. God, in the midst of turbulence, I think it'll be helpful for you to have that passage out in front of you. You can divide the passage, the psalm, into three different stanzas. The first two stanzas describe present turbulence, present tumult. The, last, the first stanza is verses 1 through 3. Draw a little line under verse 3. The second stanza, verses 4 through 7, present turbulence. The second stanza, or the final stanza, is verses 8 through 11. And we'll spend the majority of the time on these stanzas, these verses. Verses 8 through 11 describe a future reality. A fixed point out there on the horizon. Which places the psalmist's present turbulence in perspective. And makes the present turbulence bearable. So let's jump right in. Let's look at that first stanza. The first stanza describes turbulence caused by the natural world. The mountains, the immovable mountains, tremble at the raging sea. The thing that is most solid, the mountains, are trembling at the raging sea. Yet, despite this turbulence, and again, turbulence, a little bit of an understatement, despite this turbulence, the psalmist is unmoved, he's unconcerned. God is a very present help in times of trouble. The second stanza doesn't describe the turbulence of nature, but man-made turbulence. It describes a city under siege. The nation's rage, verse 6, kingdoms totter. It's a city under threat. But just as the psalmist is unruffled by the turbulence caused by nature, he's unruffled by the turbulence caused by man. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So two sources of turbulence, both man-made and natural turbulence. Uh, the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress, identifies a third form of turbulence, a third cause of turbulence. That is turbulence caused by the unseen spiritual forces. If you're familiar with the hymn, you'll recognize this stanza. And though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. Although the prince of darkness is grim, we tremble not for him. Why? One little word shall fell him. God is a certain refuge against all forms of turbulence. Against turbulence caused by nature, turbulence caused by man, against turbulence caused uh, by those unseen spiritual forces of evil. And they do exist. But God is a safe refuge amidst them. The New Hampshire senator and Baptist lay preacher William Plumer said that no real harm can befall the child of God who is walking in the path of obedience. And that's exactly what this psalm says. Regardless of the turbulence you are facing, no real harm can befall you. Now, most of us do not encounter the type of turbulence that is described here. Most of us, not all of us. I have never been threatened by an act of nature, act of God. I've never been threatened by the floodwaters. My life has been never, uh, my life has never been under threat by another person. Like a city under siege. Yet we experience turbulence, all of us. 
Not this type, but turbulence, real turbulence. What type of turbulence do you experience? You experience the turbulence of an uncertain future. You experience the turbulence of a sick child. You experience the turbulence of personal sickness. You experience the turbulence of job loss and financial insecurity. You experience, I experience, I'm not wagging my finger at you, we experience all types of turbulence. Unfulfilled hopes, unmet dreams. Now our turbulence is not the flood or the siege that's listed here, but it is real turbulence. And our challenge is, my challenge is, my experience of God amidst turbulence is not like the psalmist's experience of God amidst the term turbulence. When the plane of my life bumps, I bump. When I encounter turbulence, I'm shaken. I'm afraid. We are shaken. We are afraid. The psalmist is not. He sounds a little bit like Rocky facing Apollo Creed. Go back and watch one of the great old Rocky movies. I mean, Rocky's just getting the pulp beat out of him, and he comes back to his corner time and time again and says, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Rocky, you're being pummeled. Yet he keeps on saying, it's not that bad. And this is what the psalmist says, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> what does he know that we don't know? What does he know that it enables him to encounter all the turbulence you can imagine and say, it's not that bad. I am unmoved. I am uh, unshaken. I am unconcerned. God is still my refuge. Though the mountains tremble, though the enemy be at the gate, what did he know that we don't know? Turn with me to verses 8 and through 11. Verse 8 begins with these words, come behold, come and look. This is an invitation to see with the inward eye, to see as maybe the prophets saw, to see the distant future, future to see something that has not yet occurred. Come and behold something way out there on the distant horizon, a fixed point. And we are invited to see, what are we invited to see? But that final and decisive intervention of God who will one day cause all wars to cease. And notice how he causes wars to cease. This is not the UN diplomacy. This is not God causing wars to cease by his gentle persuasion. God will cause all wars to cease, all turbulence to end by his forceful intervention. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, and burns the chariot with fire. We are invited to consider that moment when God will decisively intervene and say, Be still and know that I am God. If you are familiar with that passage, if you've seen it before, you may be familiar with as a uh, expression of comfort to the harassed. That's not the context of this passage, of this verse. This word, this command to be still is not addressed to the harassed, but to the harasser. In the same way, God spoke to the, Jesus spoke to the tumultuous sea and told the sea to be still. God will one day intervene to his tumultuous world 
his turbulent world and say, be still, I've had enough. This psalm invites us to contemplate the distant point out there on the horizon when Christ returns and deals decisively and directly with all the turbulence that you and I encounter. What our prayer book says is all those things which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. And the promise of Christ's return is a subject that is repeated time and time again in our liturgy. Christ died, Christ rose, Christ will come again. And it is a theme that is hard to miss in our Bible. It is repeated in our scripture readings, especially this morning from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26. Once more, God will shake the heavens and the earth and all that can be shaken will be removed for our God is a consuming fire. It's a judgment of Christ that precedes the peace of Christ. And as the psalmist experiences great turbulence in this earthly life, he has his eyes fixed on a distant point out there when the Lord will return and deal decisively with all those things which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. Now, how does this apply to us? I took my first prayer retreat uh, this week, what I hope to be an annual event on my calendar. I spent three days in praying for you and for the church. It was surprisingly hard. Uh, the, the Bible talks about laboring in prayer, and I, I guess I had not had a whole lot of experience with that until this point. I had the privilege of praying for well over 150 of you. And thank you for those of you who took time to write to me and express your concerns. Parenthetically, I uh, wrote follow-up notes to each of you, but I left them at the place of my retreat. So you will get a follow-up note from me, but not for a couple of months. <laughs> It'll be a week or so. Uh, some of you are enjoying smooth rides with little turbulence. Uh, some of you are experiencing moderate turbulence. The, the captain has flipped on that fashion, fasten the seatbelt sign. Some of you are experiencing real significant turbulence. Sort of the white knuckle turbulence where all you do is grip the rails of the, 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 hand, the handrails and pray that it will end. This psalm has good news for you and me in facing turbulence. The good news is simply this. It will. The turbulence will come to an end. Whatever it is you're facing. The turbulence will not last. It will not win because God wins. And you can write four very important words behind whatever it is you're facing. Whatever it is that's causing you turbulence and tumult, big or little, you can write, it will not last. Loneliness will not last. Estrangement will not last. All those things which divide us from one another will not last. Christ will return 
and demolish them all. Cancer, sickness, will not last. When Christ returns, he will destroy it all. Sin will not last. Those habits that encumber each of our lives, those things we could wish we wish we could shake off, but we just can't. It will not last. Because Christ will return and do away with it all. Broken promises, unfulfilled hopes will not last. Finally, death will not last. The turbulence you are facing will not last because God wins. One day in the certain future, he will come again and tell his turbulent world like he told the turbulent sea to be still and the world like the sea before will listen. Following the tsunami which devastated Southeast Asia in 2004, the theologian David Hart wrote, considered how you and I can think about such vast devastation. It's such vast devastation, it's hard to think that God intended this for good. It's so much life loss, if you remember that 13, 14 years ago. How are we to think about such destruction, such loss of life? David Hart writes this. As for comfort, I can see none greater than the happy knowledge that when I see tragedy, turbulence, his words, my words, not his, when I see turbulence, I do not see the face of God, but the face of his enemy. And one day when Christ returns, he will strike off the fetters in which creation languishes. And rather than showing us how the tears of some small girl suffering in the dark were necessary for his purposes, he will instead raise her up and wipe away all tears from her eyes. And there shall be no more death and no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. For the former things will have passed away. And he who sits upon the throne will say, behold, I make all things new. The theologian is pointing us to the great hope we have. And there are other hopes of the Christian faith. We do have hope that God will use the hard things in our life for his purposes, absolutely. But the great and the final hope of the Christian faith is that turbulence of life, the things which cause us pain and trouble are only temporary. And that is the psalmist's hope. And that is his comfort amidst turbulence. His eyes are focused on that distant horizon, that fixed point out there, when God will come again and cause all wars to cease, break the bow, shatter the spear, and burn the chariot with fire. And because the psalmist anticipates that future day when Christ will come again as king, he experiences God as a present help in time of trouble now. So friends, do you anticipate that day, that future day out there when Christ will return and strike away the fetters under which creation languishes? When he will say to the turbulent world, be still. When he will deal finally and decisive with sin, with all sickness, with death, with evil. If you anticipate that day, then you have comfort for this day and your comfort is it will not last. 
It will not last because it will not wind. You have the comfort of knowing that no real harm can fall befall the child of God on the path of obedience. As we come to a close, I'd like you to, to think for just a moment about some cause of turbulence in your life, big, little, future, immediate. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's an uncertain future. Maybe it's a troubling diagnosis. Think about something that is causing you turbulence. Now, whatever you're thinking about, write these words. It will not last. It will not win. God wins. <laughs>